Welcome aboard, everybody. It is Tuesday, and this is Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. Good to have you guys along. I am Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And if you're new, we do this each and every day, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, helping you guys to head back to the window to cash those winning tickets. Well, Scott, you watch any, uh, any sports last night? Anything, uh, anything stand out for you? Uh, I watched my team blow a 15-point halftime lead, which isn't exactly ideal. As for actual action, I didn't have anything because I had a tennis play for my play of the day, and I heard they play those matches outdoors, and it occasionally rains in Texas. So they ended up moving the match to right about now. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, hopefully you'll you'll cash that ticket as we're uh, on the air, at least get a good start. What just happened? Said, I'm looking sharp. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I've warned you about the day drinking, man. Come on, you got to stop that now. Uh, James Mount says, gentlemen, and I use that term loosely. Ah, he knows us so well. Tim Earl in the hizzy. What up, Timmy? Two days away, brother. Two days away from the A's first loss. So, uh, <laughs> pretty excited. Just to lay out the rest of the week for you, we're going to have our Master show tomorrow. We're still trying to decide if we're going to tie it into our regular show or have a separate standalone show. It's going to be the one and only Jim Williams from uh, from Just Parlays, as he is a multi-sport aficionado, much like yourself, Scott. He knows a he knows a little some something about golf. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, and um, it helps with the handicap and the day drinking. Uh man, I've got uh, my son. My son dropped off some uh, some bourbon with me, and uh, I haven't had a drink in like a year. I'm thinking about having a drink later on this evening, so stay tuned for that fun. It'll be after my video. Don't get excited. I can't uh, I can't do the drunk. I can't do drunk handicap, and I can't do drunk videos. I just can't do it. So, Scott, not yet. You know, practice makes perfect. You're right. I just uh, I just not working on it. Tiger Woods will play in the Masters, yes, but for how long? That's the question, isn't it? Um, you know, Scott. Uh, oh yeah. Anyway, I wanted to finish out the week. So we're doing Allie's show tonight. We're doing uh, we're we're doing Total Chaos with Allie Burns about seven forty-five. It'll be posted probably. And um, I guess we shoot that live. Do we shoot that live? No, I think she records. She it records it right and then posts it like right afterwards. Yeah. So it's like seven seven forty-five, eight o'clock somewhere. That'll be up. Talking about some totals for tomorrow. And I mentioned the Master Show on Wednesday. On Thursday. We'll be having a uh, another baseball expert on to do a little uh, final preview for the MLB season before that really gets rolling. And Friday's NASCAR, so yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a hoot, as the kids say. Scott, Scott did you? Uh, I know you're a big North Carolina fan. I talked about I don't really didn't like really either one of those teams um, as far as programs go, but I had to hold my nose and, uh, and bet one of them. Had the Jayhawks to cover, looked bad early, looked good late, and then um, stepped out of bounds. bounds. Harris just couldn't. What a terrible game he had, by the way, Um, culminating with the stepping stepping out of bounds there at the very, very end. So that was our shot to cover. Of course, the way they shot free throws, there was no guarantee he was going to make one or two of them. So we'll see how that would have went down. But, uh, yeah. I had one brief rant, by the way, about the game itself, mostly on the aftermath. And we're going to cover a decent amount of the actual topics in the segments, but I mentioned on air yesterday that I had no idea how Agbaji was plus 110 to win most outstanding player for the tournament. I said McCormick at around 6-1, to one, maybe Remy Martin at around 950. 
How the hell did Ogbaju win most outstanding player in the tournament? Yeah, I don't know. I, I really think, I mean, the really only, the other choice would have been McCormick. McCormick. And he had a double double. He had the two big layups in the final minute. Yep. He had a better tournament than Ogbaji overall. The whole thing made no sense. No, McCormick I, was your slam dunk pick. I really wondered who they were going to give it to. And, uh, I wondered if they would give it to McCormick, and they didn't. So he put the, he put the game on ice. Agbaji hit a three pointer to start the game, missed about seven free throws, then he made another like jump shot or so, and he finished with fourteen points. He really didn't do much. He kind of vanished for about I don't know thirty straight minutes in that game. Yeah. That's a safe way to put it. And McCormick had a double double, and he made the two big shots at the end. So I thought McCormick was easily going to win it. I have no idea why Agbaji was plus 110. And apparently somebody knew something, because I still don't know how the hell he was plus 110. Yeah, there you go. Somebody. So I I, I don't I don't want to say that that was rigged or there's a conspiracy there, but you can explain that to me in several different ways. I thought that Agbaji was the fourth best player on Kansas last night. Oh, he, he, was the, he was tied for the fourth. He was tied for the fourth leading scorer, so. That's what I'm saying. And Brian had a double-double. Remy had the big threes. But Agbaji did not play that well. So I don't really know what happened there. No, one one assist, two rebounds. Nothing really stood out with 12 points. What do you like, three for eight from the line or something? Well, yeah, he went three for eight from the line. And uh, he made that three-pointer to start the game, as you mentioned. Didn't make another three-pointer all night. Missed three in a row. Yeah, he didn't do anything. So, yeah, I get it. That was my main takeaway from the post game. We can get into the actual in-game stuff quickly. I couldn't give Donkey of the Day to a winning coach, but there's one play that I do want to talk about later on. All right. All right. Well, let's get to it, man. We got a lot to talk about from last night's game. Uh, Lakers minus 13 or plus Plus 13. 13. I was going to say this isn't this isn't the 90s. LeBron's out. It depends if the Suns are motivated after getting killed by Oklahoma City or not. I think they do want to eliminate the Lakers because if the Spurs win tonight and the Lakers lose, the Lakers are officially eliminated from the play-in contention. You think the Suns might want to uh, potentially take care of a division rival? No, I don't think they can. No, you don't think so? No, I think I think the Suns would love to play the Lakers in the in the playoffs. I think they would too. That's obviously not going to happen. but Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they were able to, you know wade through the play-ins and get to the, get the eight spot. You know, that's the way it I mean, happen. I'm not laying 13, but it kind of reminds me of the Heat situation from a couple weeks ago where they were the one seed the entire year. They were cruising. They randomly lost a couple of games, and then they played Sacramento, an awful basketball team, and they killed them. So there's a chance that maybe Phoenix turns it around. I'm not betting it. I mean, I don't know how I'm supposed to bet it based on how Phoenix has played lately, but the Lakers without LeBron, they're probably going to lose. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I don't know how much I can get behind this Suns team that just, like you said, lost Oklahoma City by 21 as a 14-point favorite. So that's not a good look. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, as always, guys, don't forget to a like for this video. Smash that thumb. Subscribe to both of our YouTube channels, both uh, the Winners and Winers YouTube channel and the Max Wagers Network YouTube channel as well. Check out all the great offerings on the Max Wagers Network, not just us. You've got you've got Midday Money with Sean Higgs at noon. You've got Allie Burns doing Morning Wood 1 o'clock. Of course, you got Chris and Jim over there doing just parlays. Yours truly is over here at 3. And uh, Bat and Cleanup, Detroit Lenny and Nick and Tim Earl doing uh, Game Time Decision at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So check out all of those shows if you get a chance. 
And of course, uh, yeah, we couldn't do it without you guys. So we appreciate all the efforts, all the likes, all the subscribes, all the comments, all that stuff. So let's uh, let's get to it, Scott. We kind of we kind of went late yesterday. Let's get it rocking and rolling today, and uh, we'll talk about what happened yesterday in uh, in basketball, in hockey. You got your choice. Uh, let's find out the winners, the whiners, the people that took it in the shorts, and the people that took it to the bank. It is the Tuesday edition of Call the Cops. All right, Scott. Well, this is a play that I mentioned on air that I loved the under here. Um, I didn't uh, think that he would have the success that he did, and it's uh, 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 Armando Baycott. Over 15 and a half rebounds. He had 10 rebounds in the first half. I went, oh, my prediction, probably not going to be very good. I uh, got to 15 rebounds. Then he got hurt. He twisted that ankle again. Man, they rolled some ankles last night. Holy shit. Finished with 15 rebounds. Missed the last 50 seconds. He did have a couple of opportunities as they chunked up brick, brick after brick from three-point land there to end the game. I think you could probably say he would have grabbed one more. So uh, Armando Baycott, over 15.5 rebounds. Not good at all. Call the cops. And looking at hockey, if you had the Flames and the Kings over... Five and a half goals. You had five goals with 25 minutes and 52 seconds left. So you're basically home free. It's also three to two. So you're looking at a spot where one team will pull the goalie at some point. Didn't matter. No goals the rest of the game. Game landed five. No goals for you. And finally, a little spring training baseball. Probably going to wrap it up for spring training baseball. Are they done now, Scott? I believe this is the last day, if I'm not mistaken. Today is the last day? I think so. Okay, I, I just didn't know how much season starts on Thursday. Right? Yeah, I just didn't know how much time they left themselves to haul all their shit to their respective camps and everything, or their respective cities. Anyway, yeah, the Braves raise under nine and a half. They had seven runs entering the ninth inning. Hey, can anybody here? Can anybody here play this game? No, they cannot. They cannot pitch relief. Atlanta scored two in the top of the ninth. The uh, the Rays, they they ended one in the bottom of the ninth. That game lands ten. 10, if you had under 9.5, oh, so good, until you weren't. Call the cops. Yeah, Ninja also mentioning a bad beat on Brown, over 12.5 points. He had 12 with about 7 minutes left and didn't score another point. So that's also a pretty bad beat. But yeah, there are a lot for surprisingly light card. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, there was some good news out there, of course. Or the people that had the nice, easy victories. I don't know what the hell it would have been from last night's game. <laughs> Maybe North Carolina first half or something like that. But uh, yeah, there were some there were some nice, easy wins out there. You know who you are. And now we're about to tell the world as we reveal Tuesday's rocking chair wins. So the first one in hockey, if you had the Blues minus one and a half or minus two and a half or whatever minus you ended up getting. Uh, they led four to nothing after the second period, and they won five to one. All right, very good. And if you had the Maple Leafs, not the Maple Leaves, Scott, that's the uh, surest way to let somebody know you're you're from the lower forty-eight. There, if you had the Maple Leafs team total over three and a half against the Lightning, uh, four goals in the first two periods. Congratulations, that game over is over early for you. They finished with six, but uh, three and a half. No worries there. Nice, easy rocking chair win. And in spring training, if you had the Red Sox and Twins under nine and a half runs, 
You had one run in the fourth, you had one run in the sixth, and then you had no runs in the other seven innings. Game ended 2 to nothing. Very good. All right, Scott, let's talk about these real fast here. We've got a couple of them from the game, and uh, I definitely want to talk about each of these. Uh, let's find out who it was, Scott. There was a lot of heroes last night. A lot of guys played well. Some guys that didn't play very well, but uh, there was one guy that had a, a particularly bad night, a uh, minor gaffe in front of millions of people. Let's find out uh, who it was. Who's wearing the golden feed bag, Scott? Whoever could it be that is today's donkey of the day? All right. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you take this one because it's closer to yeah. your proximity. Yeah, I think so. So here's the deal. Living where I do, it's uh, there's always confusion. I live in the state of Missouri, yet my 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 town is called Kansas City. That makes no sense to most of the world, and quite frankly, it doesn't make sense to a lot of us. And uh, people often get confused about where these teams play and where they don't play. Uh, one of those people that got confused last night was NCAA President Mark Emmert, Scott, because when he handed the trophy. To the Jayhawks, he said, congratulations to the Kansas City Jayhawks. Now, I don't know who was more upset, the people that were Jayhawks fans or the people in Kansas City that cheer for Mizzou or K-State that want no part of this team. So it was, uh, he quickly corrected himself, but uh, not quick enough to save him from uh, multiple, multiple roastings last night on the Twitter app. Congratulations, Mark Emmert. It's a big day for you. I know college basketball is over, but you've been awarded Donkey of the Day. Doesn't help that nobody likes Emmert anyway because of how he handled the NIL stuff. That's still being resolved in court and how he's really done a terrible job as the president of the NCAA for a decade or so. If by handled the NIL, the NIL you mean he, uh, he just went, yeah, good luck. Hope you guys will figure it out. Pretty much. Uh, I know that they're in court right now for it. I forgot how long he's been the president of the NCAA. Uh, he's been the president, I've looked it up, for about yeah, 12 years. I think he's pretty awful at it, but getting the wrong territory for the winning championship team, not exactly a good look. No, no, not, not good at all. Not good at all. So there was something else from this game, and we kind of alluded to it here a little bit, and we're going to expand on it right now. Oh, uh, I think you know where we're headed with this. Let's find out, Scott. Whoever could it be that is disappointed is so... I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But, uh, man, I, I'm disappointed. So, go ahead, my friend. Um, I'm going to chime in here in a minute, but I'll let you get the ball rolling. So, of course, it's going to be my favorite college basketball team, North Carolina for blowing a 15-point halftime lead. I believe it is the largest comeback in the history of the uh, NCAA championship game, with Kansas coming back from 16 down at one point. Yep. On top of that, North Carolina, in the last 25 seasons, was 161-0 and when leading by 15-plus points at the half. 161-0. and now you have to erase the O and add a one because they lost. So you're saying there's a, a chance. Rough way to lose. Brutal. Yeah. Um, every time I talked about this Kansas team, I said you had to do one thing to be able to win the game. You had to be, you had to be able to survive that ten minute Kansas push. You were going to get it. You didn't know when you were going to get it. 
Sometimes it lasts a little longer, comes to different spots. Last night came the first 10 minutes of the second half, and North Carolina was absolutely not ready. They went from 15 up to six down in less than 10 minutes. There was your ball game right there. Kansas played even for the first quarter uh, of the I'm game, the last Carolina, quarter. Even, I'm impressed Carolina kept it close after that, to be honest. I, I agree. They were just dead in the water. I agree. Kansas, they, they basically played two quarters that were a push. The first 10 minutes, last 10 minutes were a push. Obviously, North Carolina dominated the second 10 minutes, but Kansas dominated the third 10 minutes even more, and that was the difference in the ballgame. They could not survive the uh, 10 minutes of hell that Kansas has unleashed every game in this tournament. I mean, my point at the half, which I tweeted about, was McCormick and Lightfoot are in foul trouble. Nobody cares about Lightfoot, but still. Go to the rim. And Carolina just kept settling for a bunch of terrible jumpers. And Carolina, I was shocked they were up 15 at any point in the game. I thought they were definitely alive to win the thing, and they were. But you can't win a game shooting below 32% from the floor. That just can't happen. Without looking, how how many minutes do you think Lightfoot played uh, picking up the uh, four fouls? Pick up four fouls. How long do you think it took him to do that? I'm trying to think of how many times McCormick got benched in the game. Because they brought in 55, and they brought in 24, and nobody knew who any of those guys were. They brought in a couple of walk-ons for part of the game. I'm going to say nine minutes. Played seven minutes. Okay, all right. <laughs> seven. Because I thought McCormick committed about ten fouls that weren't called, but I'm not really going to complain about the officiating. There were a couple of awful calls to start the second half, which all went against Carolina. Yeah. You had the goaltending call on Manic, which was an absolute joke. That was a clean block. You had the self-pass by Brown, which I thought was easily a self-pass. I didn't think anyone touched it. But besides that, the game was close at the end. And the reason why Carolina lost, they couldn't make shots. So people complaining about Kansas getting some favorable refereeing calls uh, on behalf of all Mizzou and K-State fans, get in fucking line. Well, Car- we've Carolina seen, We've seen this was, movie before. I was going to say, Kansas was in the bonus with about 10 minutes to go in the half. And then Carolina basically committed no fouls the rest of the half. But there was the opening three, four-minute stretch where the referees were just giving Kansas everything to start but once again carolina didn't make enough shots love was awful uh, you could honorary call the cops member there if you had over 17 and a half points he only finished with 13 but he took 24 shots you got to assume you're pretty good if he's taking 24 shots yep absolutely absolutely uh, the one question or the one takeaway that i did have to ask you about because i know that we've criticized bill self in the past and now he's one of the only active coaches left to have two championships, it's him, Jay Wright, and Patino over there at Iona. How do you not foul there? I don't understand it, bud. I, I really have don't. To ask. How do you not foul? Well, we should just we should just make a recording and play this every time a team's up three points and, and they allow the team to get a shot off. Um, I now, don't... Love, of course, missed the shot. I don't remember if it barely hit the rim. It wasn't close. Like, it wasn't going to go in. You were on the opposite side of this. When you won your only championship, Memphis should have fouled before Mario Chalmers hit the three-pointer. You were there before. How do you not foul on the catch? My only guess is they're worried about somehow the kids not making it look good enough or calling it intentional in that spot that awards them extra uh, the free throws and the possession where they'd have a chance to win it. That's that's my only regional. That's my only r- rationale. Um, my rationale is Carolina winning the rebounding battle by 20, but Baycott was injured. So it's not like you're that worried about a rebound on the missed free throw with Baycott out of the game. Well, you see it all the time. You see it all the time 
with teams not doing it. There has to be a reason that they don't do it, Scott. I don't know what it is, because to you and I, it makes no sense. And I'm sure to a lot of people out there. I have no idea how they let Love got a shot off. I know Love was awful, but come on, man. You can't turn it over on the inbound and then let them get a shot for the tie. That cannot happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, a lot of nice things being said in the comments section. Uh, handicappers helping out other handicappers. That's the very cool thing. Uh, T-Train and Ninja, two guys that have been around for a long time that I respect. Um, and uh, what just happened, he's getting rolling. And he's uh, light, he is correctly uh, keeping an eye on those two guys. So that's uh, it's one of the things that I like best about the community that we've kind of built up here over the last four years is people helping out other people, having some fun. So, uh, any uh, Yeah, what just happened uh, to address that question? Uh, he wants to know why the first half total is always significantly lower than the second half total. And the reason is, basically, you just said it. Fouls? Yep. Yeah, it's usually because of fouls. Now, it's whether the game's officiated that way, the fact that the clock is automatically stopped after every made basket or so in the final minute. The first half does not have that. So you will see continuous clock no matter what. It's mostly officiating and how you might have scramble points. You could play the sound effect if you want. But you have a bunch of just fouls late, a bunch of clock stoppages, and a lot of extra possessions. I should have had it ready because I was going to talk about scramble points. Yeah, and that's and that's basically what you're looking at uh, when one team and it's, and it's right in the zone. It's usually somewhere in like the four to six, seven range. They're down with less than a minute to go, and they're shooting free throws after a possession of you know two and a half seconds, as opposed mm -hmm. to grinding out the clock. So you see a lot more possessions. A lot more free throws being being uh, taken, and that's exactly why the second half is higher. Now, you don't see it in the NBA to the extreme that you see it in the college game because in the NBA, they're a little more realistic about when the fuck they're beat. <laughs> uh, they don't they don't shoot last-second shots. They'll, they'll grind it out. They'll just dribble out the clock. So you don't see as much of a difference in the NBA first and second half totals as you do in college ball. There were a couple of beats in the first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament where teams were fouling down like 11 with 10 seconds to go, and you don't know what the hell they're doing. Yep, which you and I talked about. You and I talked about that when it comes to conference tournaments and then to the NCAA tournament especially. You have to be aware when teams have nothing else. They have basically no shot, but they're still going to foul because they don't want their season to end. They just, it's... yeah. Worst case is they foul so they can take the actual seniors out, get an ovation before the season's actually over. And there you go. Right. Right. That happened with Villanova. They fouled. Why? So they could take out Gillespie and company with 30 seconds left. Did it matter to the game? Absolutely not. But you get them an extra motivation, little moment of glory before they walk off into the sunset. Yep. Yep. Absolutely true. Um... What just happened? Yes. You have more foul shots in the second half and the first half. Go get them, T-Train. I know you're getting ready for the season, buddy. Have have a, have a good time. We appreciate you. As always, stopping by, man. Good luck on your play tonight, man. We'll see you. I do also want to address one point that T-Train did make here, okay. where he says that he thinks the Kansas kids won in spite of Bill Self. Now, I criticized the decision not to foul yep. in the final three seconds. I think that's an, an atrocious coaching job. However... I'm not going to give Self no credit at all for orchestrating the biggest comeback in tournament t title game history. He had to have said something in the locker room. Like, their <laughs> game plan in the second half was solid. 
I'm not going to roast Self for the overall game. I did think that Self and Davis were kind of similar in a way because of the fact that I don't think both of them did a great job with X's and O's, but they did a really good job of just getting the guys motivated and ready to go. So I, I'll give him props for actually keeping the emotions. Of course, it varied during the course of the game, but I thought both coaches did a great job of getting their guys ready to go emotionally. As for the X's and O's, not so much. You know, I, I want to know what happened to the North Carolina spacing in the second half because they just pretty much forgot about it. They did a very good job yep. in the first half. They were very disciplined with their spacing, but all of a sudden they're running over each other. And they're, they're... There's also pace. They slowed the ball down dramatically in the second half, and I'm not really sure why. Well, I think <laughs> I think initially they were trying to stop the bleeding from, from KU getting that run going. And then after... I get it, but your whole style all year long was playing up tempo. That's what got you 40 points in the first half in the first place. I understand. I understand. I'm just saying. Once again, I'll give Davis props because as a Carolina fan, there were points where I thought they wouldn't make the tournament. Sure. There there were points where before they beat Duke and Cameron Indoor, they were legitimately on the bubble with zero quality wins. So if you told me back in October or November, this team – would make the finals as an eight seed, I would have been absolutely shocked. But the main takeaway that I had from Carolina all year long, I know Baycott will probably be a late first round pick, maybe early second. I'm not sure Caleb Love's getting drafted or, you know, what the stories of the rest of the roster. They're just not very talented. That was the main issue I had with Carolina and why I thought even as a fan, they would potentially lose to Baylor or UCLA. I looked at the roster and I really didn't see many high-quality players, especially for a blue ball like North Carolina. Did right. you? Um, no, not to, especially at the guard position. I was I'm really surprised yeah. that you know, and, and I know that they all had their moments, to, but I just don't know that you had the high-quality guards to be able to take you to that final step. I mean, it is hard to criticize anything about either team when the losing team had a 15-point lead and wasn't expected to make any kind of a run whatsoever, you know, even make it through the first weekend. So, you know, I'm... Carolina should have won it anyway because they shot below 32%. They only lost by three. They won the rebounding battle by 20. Yep. But anyway, Uh, to go back to your point, nobody thought they would make it here. No, that's very true. All right, so people asking about the card tonight. Let's lay out some stuff here, Scott. Um, Somebody asked about the NHL, said they don't like the NBA card. I'm 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 on the Devils Rangers over. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride that devil's over until it breaks. Um, what else you got? You like? I think the one hesitation I would have with the full game over for the Devils is just to take the Rangers team total over because the Devils' best player is Jack Hughes, and he's not playing because right. he's injured. So of course he factors into the power play and everything like that. Devils are awful defensively anyway. Yeah, I the Rangers should score at least four. So if you're worried about Hughes being out then you can take that approach instead. Uh, to look at everything else, I mean, the card itself in hockey, there's a lot of games. I'm not sure how many of them have a lot of value. I don't mind the Islanders on the money line getting plus money against Dallas. I know Dallas is a good team. Islanders, they're not officially out of the playoffs. Now, are they going to make it? Probably not. They're about 11 points back of the Capitals with about 14 games left, give or take. All right. It's doable. It's not pretty, but it's doable. Islanders have played well. 
And if you want to back a hot team that's getting plus money, I don't mind the Islanders there. If you wanted to go for a matchup between two really, really awful teams, but there might be some value on it. I have no idea how Philly's favorite tonight against Columbus. I know Philly beat the Rangers in a shootout the last time out. Columbus, don't get me wrong, they're awful. They're really, really bad. The Flyers, under no circumstance, with 55 points on the season, they're one point ahead of the Devils for last place in the division. Columbus has 70. So Columbus is 15 points ahead of Philly. There's no way Philly should be laying like minus 130. That doesn't make any damn sense. Okay. So if you want to go solely on value, the Flyers at a minus price, that's kind of an auto fade. So you've kind of alluded to something, and I think it's time for us to touch on it and expand it a little bit. And that is uh, something you have to be aware of this time of year with the NBA and then very soon with the NHL. And that is motivation. What are they playing for? What does this game mean for positioning? What does it mean um, for draft position for some of the the lower teams? Um, so, Scott, is that the is that the number one thing you look at, especially in the NBA this week, as everybody comes down to the end of it, has three or four games left? Uh, pretty much. Uh, I know that Scott Nowak mentioned how the Nets might watch Durant and Irving's minutes, maybe if they're up thirty. But if you look at the Nets' current situation, they lost a huge game over the weekend to Atlanta. And now the Nets are in a war for the nine spot. Or for not or not even the nine, sorry, the eight spot. They're right now in two playing games right now if they want to make the playoffs. So if they want to actually get the eight, they probably need to win out. So they should be motivated for this game. Because the last thing the Nets want to do with Kyrie... Uh, with his injury history, with Durant's injury history, the last thing that you should really pay attention to is motivation for a team like that because they should be motivated the entire way through. Uh, very good. Uh, Columbus has mentioned the second game in the second night. Flyers, that's... I know it's the second game in two nights. I'm just saying on principle, the Flyers should not be laying minus 130 against anybody. Uh, Calvin says, all respect to you, but you guys thought the 76ers were tanking games ago, and I've been cashing on them ever since. I never said they were tanking. I just thought they were bad with Harden. Yeah, well. They've been winning games. I, I never said that they were tanking. I said they're trying to go for a two seed. They're yeah, not, they're not going to catch Miami, but I don't remember ever saying that they were trying to tank. I don't recall that either, but. I mean, they're not. I mean, I, I, don't, they're I not. said that they got worse with Harden. They're not, and we saw them lose to Detroit. And maybe, maybe it was wrong. maybe it was the trade that we talked about about how we didn't really think that would help them that much. Um, I but, don't think it helped them that much. But when you're in the middle, I mean, when you're in the middle of the, uh, you know, when you're holding the third, fourth playoffs, but I don't know how tanking would be. I, but, I didn't think they would be good with Harden, but I, I think the word that's throwing me off is tanking. I didn't think the 76ers would intentionally lose games. I just thought that in the grand scheme of things, they are not any closer to winning a championship with Harden. Ultimately, and that still stands. I don't care if you're out there making money with the 76ers. God bless you. Yeah, I'm, good for you. I, I did. Been I did. the Sixers. I did well with. I did well in the beginning with Harden, and then he kind of dropped off. But uh, you know, there's some. I'm their team. I'm not afraid of playing under the right circumstances. See, Calvin, once again, Harden puts up good numbers, or he puts up good assists, rebounds, whatever. The shooting percentages have been terrible, and you look at the defense. He's one of the worst defensive players in the league. So regular season, Harden, we know historically is a great player. It's the playoffs where you have to acknowledge that Harden's flaws become magnified, and I'm definitely not picking the Sixers to make the Eastern Conference Final. I think they will lose in one of the first two rounds. 
Bruce is bringing up an excellent point here. He says he's a uh, Hawks versus Raptors. So the spread is a uh, Raptors minus four. Sharps have been all over the Hawks, but the line has not moved. Thoughts? Well, that's uh, usually something you have to be very aware of when you have like a would kind of would call a reverse mo a line move um, in that situation. Scott, explain to everybody what that means exactly. Uh, basically, what he's trying to say is the fact that it seems like a lot of money is coming in on on the Hawks, and yet the line hasn't moved. So it might seem a little bit trappy because you would have assumed that the spread would have potentially gone down a little bit. Right. So what do you think? Is that an okey-doke spot? Yeah, see, we've talked about that before. About It's kind of a misnomer to say that books make their money by having equal amount of money on each side. That is no, no longer correct as of about the last mm -hmm. 15 years since they've kind of taken a different uh, position and gone more corporate. Uh, they think they have the data and the personnel, the algorithms, et cetera, to take a side. And they are not afraid if they think the public's on the wrong side or the sharps are on the wrong side, whatever. They're not afraid to hold a line or adjust a line that's counterintuitive to what you're seeing with the line with the with the money coming in and the bets being made. So, if you have a situation like that, it is almost a sure sign that the books are uh, all over the uh, the team that's not with you're not moving the line on right. Is that, is that yeah, pretty much. confusing now, the way I said it? Uh, the way that I would phrase it is that the odds makers are willing to die on the hill, so to speak. Yes. Where if the public kills them, it happens, but this is a spot where they feel like they can make a ton of money yes. by going against the general consensus. Now, Atlanta getting four, not going to lie, it's pretty attractive, at least at first glance, because Atlanta, as a Nets fan, I can tell you right now, Atlanta's been really good lately. The problem with Atlanta, they're terrible on the road. And 15 and 23 straight up is not exactly a good look nope. for this team, not to mention the fact they have lost to the Raptors two out of three meetings by at least six. Atlanta, you're going down the line, beat Brooklyn at home, beat Cleveland, played a couple road games against the Pacers and Oklahoma City. Con congratulations, I guess. I mean, I mean, you beat who's in front of you, but Toronto's been really good as well. At first glance, I liked Atlanta, but I can't get past those road numbers. You? Yeah, well, they did They did play in Toronto earlier uh, this season, about two months ago. Toronto wins that one by 11 as a three-point favorite. So there is a little bit of a track record this season as far as uh, the, road, the home road splits. I think uh, if you wanted to back Atlanta, just take some prop on Trey Young. Because if they want any chance of winning, Young's kind of the only guy they have left, right? Because Collins hasn't played in about a month. Right. Right, correct. Yeah, and Bog and Bogdanovich is questionable for this one. Lines by casinos have become uh, stat modelers. That is exactly correct, David. That is exactly correct. So, uh, Caesar Sportsbook has Kansas Jayhawks. By the way, what's up, 1777? Uh, it says they have Kansas Jayhawks 10 to 1 next season to win the uh, 2023. Too early to get involved, Scott? Uh, for me, yes. In fact, it's probably too early until. At least for me, I don't even know. September, October? I mean, I have heard a lot of line movement on Creighton. And I know a couple of people on Twitter were mentioning the fact they got Creighton at around 90-1 to 1 to win the championship, 80-1. to 1, And I believe it's down now to around 50 or 45. So there is definitely spots where you can make a lot of value plays at this point. 
But recruiting's not even finalized yet. I'm not betting on any of it. There's 1,100 guys in the transfer portal right now. Yeah. I'm not Not to mention all the people that can decommit and recommit to other schools. I'm not touching that. Uh, what just happens? I'm in- not, but if you want to make an argument for teams, you could beat some huge line moves, but I'm not going to bother. Every once in a while, I hear someone refer to players as a number, like what's LeBron worth? He's worth one point, something like that. What's that called? Is that a form of valuation of talent? I think, I don't know that there's... I know there's a term. I don't know that there's an official term for it. Valuation of talent, I think, is probably pretty close because that's exactly what you're doing. You're putting a, you're putting a, new, a numerical figure on that person and what they... Uh, it's it's kind of a mini version of, of, of war, in a way. Um, uh, yeah, that, that, I was trying to think of another acronym for war that you could use for a betting perspective. Right. But it's basically the same thing. Um, I'm trying to think of, uh, can we do SAR? Like spread above replacement? Spread of, spread value. ZVAR? Spread value above replacement? Something? I don't know. We'll come up with an acronym for it. But yeah, that definitely is a way to look at it. It especially applies with baseball, for right. example, where if Trout's out, you'll see the line move 40 yep. cents. Yep. But for LeBron, for example, I don't even know what the hell he's worth to this team. Like that That's a whole enigma in itself because the team sucks with him and without him no matter how many points he's putting up. But when it comes to some of these MVP caliber players, I think they tend to sell it on the short side. Like if Embiid was out for the Sixers, I think he's worth like seven points. I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. Zodwick brings up a great point, by the way, and says there's nothing I want more than to tie up my money for 12 months on a March yeah, Madness bet. Yeah. Uh, that's very true. I'm going to go out on a limb. David Good said he's a retired professor. I'm going to guess he is some sort of mathematics professor because uh, he has pointed out that assigning a, a number to a weighted regression variable, to be precise. Yes, once again, he's right. Once again, I would have never, ever put it that way. So uh, my kid probably would have, but yeah. I'm... I do want to ask one question. What is the longest amount of time you'd actually tie up money for? Because I know we did our full baseball division breakdowns. I had somebody reach out to me on Twitter asking what I thought about certain teams, whatever, when, you know, just the basic spark notes of our, of our videos. And he was wondering what I thought about this team. And I told him, you know, I like the over for this team, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to tie up my money for like five months. And I'm like, well, to each their own. Cause some people are betting on March madness for next year. So what's the longest you would tie up your money for? Well, I've, I've tied it up for, a couple of years on political bets, but okay, it's become a little bit different. My uh, my my stakes have changed a little bit between the uh, the pandemic tap and a lot of my bank gambling accounts, and frankly, having a really bad last six eight months since baseball ended, basically. So you're coasting on the election. What's that? You're coasting on the election. I'm glad I hit the election, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, they only have it every four years, so. Uh, David Goodsey's statistics was a statistics professor. Shocker. <laughs> it is not a shocker. Um, yeah. I w- that's, the, that's the one thing I've, I've thought about going back to school and taking more statistical uh, classes. And, and, and you can take actually gambling statistics and applied uh, stuff like that. I've thought about doing that, but I don't, I don't know that I still have the, I don't know that I still have the pliable brain tissue to, uh, to take on all that shit that I haven't, you know, uh, some some of those things obviously you've studied as in the course of gambling, but some of those things I haven't studied for forty years. So I, I took a I took a stats class in college. I, I did two, one. I did two, and yours you know, yours three years ago. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, <laughs> mine was a little longer. Yours might have been a little bit longer. A little longer than that. Um, 
right. the way that I would I would address that though to tie up your money long term. Yep. You have to divide up your money. And I'm not saying that you you can have zero dollars of bankroll on future bets, but all I am saying is if you are going to be willing to bet on month to bet on something that won't actually cash or lose until about I don't know, six months down the road. Yeah. Separate a certain amount of money just for that. Because you're not going to be able to use it once you bet it. Right. Right. That's, That's my thing. advice. So if you're using a usual bankroll of let's just say eh, two thousand bucks, don't put a thousand on it in future bets for six months and then expect to live off the other thousand with betting. I know. Like divide up a separate amount of money just for the futures yes. and keep the usual bankroll. Yep. I know I know a lot of guys that that's how, exactly how they do it. They put 10% whatever their bankroll into into futures and they've always got that amount rolling into yep. a future and you just it's just not it's just not available. You just don't you just don't touch it. So Basically my advice is plan accordingly. Yep, very good. That that's the way I would describe it. Uh, Holiday and Middleton are too much for the Bulls, let alone adding Giannis. Um, I mean, I like Milwaukee anyway because it's Chicago against the top three team in the Eastern Conference. I've, I think we've seen this movie about 20 times before, haven't we? Yeah, we were so excited about Chicago, and, and yeah, not so much. So They're a good story. They just can't beat good teams. Right. Uh, any value on the, the Wizards catching 12 from Minnesota? Are we a little too excited about Minnesota right now? I don't mind it. I mean, Washington's bad on the road, but they have actually been okay right. with the younger core. They got killed by Boston. But to be honest, who hasn't gotten killed by Boston in the last couple of months? I mean, Boston's a world beater right now. But beat Dallas by 32 at home. Beat Orlando. They had a good, they had a big home stretch, though, but they're awful on the road. So I think that would be the hesitation there. If I was going to play anything on Washington, I'd probably take a team total over. Total's at 238, which seems high. And then you look at Minnesota's last couple of games. Played against Denver, 266. Played against Houston, 271. No overtime in those games, by the way. So probably a team total over for Washington if I was going to bet anything on the Wizards. Is that your ringtone? Yeah, I forgot to turn, I forgot to turn my phone off after you. I just wondered what your ringtone was. You and okay, I checked cool. that. That's it. That's my ringtone. But what do you think about that? I think if you're going to bet Washington, I would only look at the team total there. Yeah. You're not going to get many stops against Minnesota. That's solid. Uh, David Good asking about Miami. Is this team back, Scott, laying five and a half tonight against Charlotte? Miami won and covered their last uh, four games. Uh, three of them, however, were on the road. So what do we... Uh... Miami figured it out, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, righted the ship. Well, I mean, they, they hadn't covered for, what, seven straight before that? So they're they're kind of the second half of the season have turned into a little bit of a streaky team. I'll ride the good streak. This Charlotte defense, uh, once again, they're kind of going through one of their little phases where they're giving up a shit ton of points. Give up a buck forty mm-hmm. Philadelphia the other night. Give up a buck fourteen to New York. Uh, yeah, I'll take Miami there. I think I think they're I think they figured it out. Yeah, Miami's three and zero in the head to head. They played one time in Miami. Miami won by fifteen. Uh, Heat though have won four in a row. Solid home team, and against good competition, too. They beat Toronto, they beat Chicago, and they beat Boston. Right. So, solid performances there. Charlotte, as we said before, defensively, they're very streaky. As a Nets fan, I'm rooting for the Raptors and the Heat pretty heavily tonight. Because, once again, I'm trying to hope my Nets can will their way back to the eighth seed. But I like Miami here. Charlotte, defensively, seems like they're headed back on that downturn. So, I'm just expecting them to give up 115-120. 
All right, very good. Uh, 1777 is uh, pointed out the problem that you and I kind of alluded to. Is Chicago doesn't play very well against good teams, 19 and 20. Oh, that's above 500. That's not even including top three elite teams because they are right. They have a win percentage of, and it's a lot lower than 19 and 24. I'll tell you that much. Right. So we did talk about this 76ers team a little bit, Scott. Indiana's awful. And they've now that, so bad. now that's a team they're that's so tan- now that's a team that's officially tanking. Yep. And uh, they're catching twelve and a half roughly from Philadelphia tonight. It was about eleven and a half, so money has definitely come in on Philly. It's a home game for Indiana. You trust this Philly team to cover that many points? Uh, we tried this against Detroit, but Detroit's actually been a cover machine. Yep. Especially at home. I have a play today on this. I have the team total over. For Philly, because why would I even want to bother when Indiana just hands out 125 points to every team? Yeah. I got it at 121 and a half. It's up to 123 and a half. So I guess the question you're asking, do you think Indiana can actually score 120 points in this game? No. Because I think Philly should score 130. If they're fully engaged, they should score 130 in this game. Would you agree? No. I mean, they've... No? You think so? I after scoring 144 against Charlotte. Yeah, I'm looking at that, and then I look at their previous 18 games. None of them. Oh, uh, they're not great offensively, no. but Embiid. Oh boy, <laughs> he might have 20. He should have 20 free throw attempts if they're fully engaged once again. But and I don't you... know if I want to actually lay it with Philly on the road, just because <sighs> Indiana they play so up tempo. Maybe they can wear out Philly to some degree. Bad shooting night from Harden. Maybe they don't cover, but. I got the team total. Yeah. Do you want to go first half Philly? I don't mind that either because Indiana's basically been handing out 70 points in the first half to every opponent for the last, I don't know, two, three weeks. So maybe Philly first half, but I got the team total over and I'm pretty happy about it. All right. Um, they were, I was asking about another game too. Other than the, uh, oh, the Nuggets Spurs total. Uh, let me see who's... Uh, Denver's been an over-machine for the last couple of games. They can't stop anybody. No. It's really tough, though, because DeJounte Murray's out. And on one hand, he's San Antonio's best offensive player. He's actually had a pretty serious illness. He said he's lost, like, seven pounds. He's going to be out for probably the rest of the season. Right. He'll probably be back for the plan, but that's definitely rough. Uh, But he's their best offensive player and defensive player. So read into that how you want. But Denver... Their games have been track meets, man. I mean, the last three games, Indiana, 243, Minnesota, 266. The Lakers with no LeBron, 247. These are just some huge totals. I got to go with the over, right? Yeah, it just, it just if you think you can get that many out of, out of San Antonio, um, that's really the only question for me. What do you, what do you got Denver on here? Because we're looking at 234. Nine points is the spread, so that means uh, Denver's going to be have to be somewhere in mid one twenties, one twenty three to one twenty five, right? Yeah, give or take. Okay, can they get there? Once again, I'm not going to bet that game. I have a couple of props on Jokic, just because. I mean, he's incredible. I mean, there's really not much more to add. I mean, he's going to win MVP. San Antonio can't rebound to save their lives. No, so I think Jokic has a huge night tonight. But as for the actual game itself, I still don't trust Denver. San Antonio has been competitive without DeJounte. They haven't really played anybody. They played Portland twice. Uh, but still, 
I think San Antonio can hang around. They can clinch a playoff, a play-in spot tonight with a win. I'm not laying nine to Denver when they barely beat the Lakers by double digits with no LeBron. I, I can't. Can't do it. Can't do it. Although Denver is at home. If I had to yep. bet it, I'd bet Denver, but uh, I'd rather I'd rather look for something else on the card, personally. I agree. If I had to bet it, I would take anything with Jokic because, I mean, maybe Jokic 30 points and Denver money line or something like that because Jokic, I mean, he's owned this team the entire season and his numbers keep getting crazier. Uh, somebody want to know where the where the upsets are coming from. Um, we didn't hate we didn't hate Washington. Uh, don't hate Memphis getting five and a half from Utah. I'm not picking Washington to win, but I think that they got a shot to cover there. Yeah, Memphis is always attractive, especially with Utah blowing double digit leads every single game. Mm-hmm. So I do think Memphis. We've seen them without a bunch of players. They still killed Phoenix the other day. Yep, they win a bunch of games. I don't mind memphis there because utah has been awful recently uh if you want a potential trap game there i don't necessarily mind sacramento yeah i was looking just at that. because of the fact that i don't know what new orleans is playing for right they're, they're basically locked into the plan we know that the clippers are going to be the eight we know the lakers are basically out new orleans will probably get a home game for the first play-in game with the 9-10 are they playing for much? No. Because I don't think they are. No. I agree. So I actually don't mind the Kings at home. If you want a dark, just a dark horse candidate, shot in the dark, dark throw. Give me the Kings. Somebody brought up Denver being bad on the road at home against the number. That's absolutely true. They're 14 24 uh, at home. And it gets even worse when they uh, look at strong teams with a, a good offense because where the totals uh, 220 or better, they're 6 and 18 against the numbers. So. Uh, yeah, we know New Orleans doesn't guard anybody either. So yeah, true. Sacramento's won two of the three meetings, but once again, New Orleans in that rare spot where they are in the play-in. So you can argue about seeding, but the Clippers are so far ahead of them for the eight that it really doesn't matter. <laughs> They're kind of locked into the nine. Kings, you know, young team. Maybe they can piece it together for a game, but eight on the road with a Pelicans team that is sixteen and twenty-three straight up on the highway. I'll pass. All right, very good. All right, Scott, let's uh let's get let's get it on here, shall we? It is that time, everybody. It is Tuesday. Thought we were gonna get a little run running get going yesterday, and then your guy uh well, he died in the third in the third period. He didn't bench him though. No, you know, he no. had he had twenty saves after two periods. No. He just on didn't track. face many shots in the third. Yep, absolutely correct. So yeah. let's get ready, guys. It's Tuesday. It's the first day of the rest of your life after college basketball is over. So let's do it. Let's put on those overalls. Get your straw hat out. Come on, put it on. Come on, we're watching. There you go. Climb aboard your John Deere. Get those lucky keys out and get ready one more time here today to bet the farm. All right, Scott. There it is. How about that? Huh? First they had their hats on, then they're no hats. Now we got hats. Howdy, ma'am. All right, guys. So um, today, Tuesday, Scott, let's make it a good one, shall we? No more screwing around. What do we got? Uh, what do we got for Bet the Farm today, my friend? So for this one, it involves the team that I root for, the, the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Houston Rockets. It's a pretty big spread. In fact, it's an absurdly high spread. We're going to take the Rockets plus 17 and a half. 
Uh, the Nets have really been awful at winning by margin. The Nets have not won a game by 18-plus points since March 15th, which ha- which was 10 games ago. So nine straight games they have not won by 18-plus. Houston has not lost a game by 18-plus points since March 23rd, which was seven games ago. So they have covered this hypothetical spread in six straight games. And now we get into the really, really fun trends here. The Nets are 1-20 ATS. That is right, 1-20 in their last 21 home games as a favorite. On top of that, the Nets are 3-13 ATS in their last 16 home games versus a team with a losing record. Absolutely not. The Nets cannot guard anybody with Kyrie this season. They are the worst defense in the history of the NBA. They're also the best offense in the history of the NBA, but we're not going to talk about that. The point is Houston can score points. Jalen Green's been really good. But at the end of the day, 17.5 for a team that really struggles to even win home games or cover against anybody, it's way too much. Houston's been somewhat competitive lately. Give me the Rockets plus 17.5. There you go. That is a huge number for a team that just doesn't cover the spread. We couldn't resist. So that's they, they can't do guard it. anybody. What's that? The Nets don't guard anybody. That's true. So I can't pick him to win by basically 20 if they're going to give up 120 in every game they're in. That's right. That's absolutely right. So that's going to do it for Bet the Farm. That's going to do it for our show today. As always, guys, we thank you for stopping by. Thanks for all the comments. Thanks for all the uh thanks for all the views, the likes. Don't forget to smash that like button one more time. We appreciate it. And, of course, check us out tonight with Allie Burns. It'll be posted somewhere around 8 p.m. Eastern time. We'll take a look at five games tomorrow and weigh in on the totals. But till then, it's going to be a wrap for us, Scott. We'll be back at 3 p.m. tomorrow, 2 p.m. Central, and doing what we love to do, helping you guys on the journey that never ends as we all attempt to head back to the window. Take care, everybody. We'll see you then.